Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24. Richard Winfield, thanks for coming in this morning. Yeah, thanks for having First me. First of all, Dr. Richard Winfield, professor at the University of Georgia, professor of... Philosophy. For how long? Uh, 35 years. Wow. I came here in 1982. And uh, this sounds like, a, obviously, you're a professor of philosophy. That, yeah. that means there are philosophy students at UGA. Yeah, it's definitely. probably not the top of the, Who's taking philosophy classes at UGA these days? Well, you have huge numbers of undergraduates, many who are not philosophy majors. Um, you have distribution requirements that uh, entail that people have to take a certain number of <clears throat> courses in philosophy or arts or religion. On the other hand, we, ha we do have philosophy majors. And um, what do they do? What does a philosophy major do? If the, I'm one, if you yeah. got that degree, what am I going to yeah. do with it other than maybe yeah. teach? I mean, the only thing that it can lead to um, and exclusively lead to would be to go on to philosophy graduate school, get a PhD, and on that basis, you could try to get a job teaching philosophy at a university. What's the but otherwise, people, people will go on to anything under sure. the sun, <clears throat> and I think that having that degree is recognized as an indication that they that they have <clears throat> experience in thinking about truth and justice and that they can be competent in any uh, other discipline. To segue into your campaign for Congress, I know yeah. justice is one of the things you have stressed and will yeah. stress yeah. as you kick off your campaign. First of all, the campaign kickoff event tomorrow, step us through that. Yeah, that's going to take place at 3 o'clock, and it's going to be at the East Athens Dance Educational Center, which is at 390 McKinley Street. Richard Winfield, Democratic candidate for Congress, running, we should say, in District 10. That is the seat that is held now by Republican Jody Heiss, who's running for re-election. Now, he has primary opposition, does Jody Heiss, or, or will have, assuming Joe Hunt in Watkinsville qualifies. Get him in here maybe one morning next week. And there will be, assuming everybody qualifies, and we'll get around to that soon enough, at least two announced Democrats in this race. The other, Chalice Montgomery, we've had her on the program a few times here. Uh, back up and talk about why you want to be in Congress. Yeah, I want to be in Congress because I think we as a nation <clears throat> have failed to provide the social rights and in particular uh, the right to have a job at fair wages. Well, let's that, start right uh, there. Yeah. Why, where is that right? I, I read the Constitution. I don't see a right exactly. to employment in there. Where it, is it? it? Exactly. Our Constitution pretty much focuses on our political and civil rights, and it leaves out rights that apply to what will allow us to exercise our freedom in this society? Well, it looks at rights, that don't, rights that don't impose obligations on other people. I have the right to free speech. My free speech does not take from your free speech, and it certainly doesn't pull money yeah. out of your wallet. Yeah. If you say I have a right to a job, you're saying someone is obliged to hire me. How do we impose that obligation it's, it's on not, someone else? It's not an obligation on any particular other market agent. It's rather a right that, as any right, is something that we all have an opportunity to do. And, and in a sense, the basis of the American dream is that America is going to allow everyone who wants to work hard to make it support their family. But by itself, the market never can be counted on to guarantee everyone the opportunity to work. There, there are millions of Americans who want to work, who can't find full-time employment. There are millions others who want to work 
full-time but can only find part-time employment so isn't that then subject on the economy an improving economy a growing economy which by the way after fits and starts seems to be occurring now the first time uh in in the better part of a decade we've had consecutive quarters of three percent growth in the gdp i mean what you say you want is contingent on economic growth well actually full employment maximizes economic growth and you can see that because if we if the government steps in and is able to offer jobs to anyone who can't find a job in the market. This is going to mean that we have the greatest consumer demand that is possible. It's going to also inoculate our economy against the ups and downs in consumer demand that yeah. have led to recessions and depressions. So you're saying that the, the, let the private sector do what the private sector will do, but the private sector can only get us so far, yeah. and after that, the government steps in and provides employment, uh, yeah. A, doing what, and B, yeah. paying how? Okay. Well. Doing what, obviously, is not a matter of giving just make work, and it's not a matter of duplicating what private enterprise is already doing. That would only exacerbate uh, unemployment by producing overproduction. Rather, it's a matter of our government really showing that it's for, by, and of the people by offering people the opportunity to go to work and tackle the kinds of goods and services that our communities need, but that private enterprise currently is either un- willing or unable to provide. Such as? Such as, we know that our infrastructure is in terrible shape and needs refurbishing. We we should offer jobs to people to, to, to fix it up. We also need a new green infrastructure if we're going to really tackle the problems of climate change. So we need to offer people the chance to construct and operate a green infrastructure, which now is really going to be one of the major Uh, sources of economic expansion. We also need, for example, to tackle the housing crisis. It is particularly evident in in, in our district, where we have a lot of dilapidated substandard housing. We have shortages of affordable housing. You know, I go around into some of the more far-flung districts, and I hear over and over again that communities have problems hiring people to teach in their schools because there's no affordable housing. We can put people to work, offer them jobs to refurbish substandard housing, build affordable housing, there's a crisis of, of transportation in the towns and rural districts. You know, people who don't have a car or who no longer can drive are stranded. They can't see friends, can't go to doctors, can't go to work. We need to do something to help provide genuine public transportation. We need to offer the kinds of services people are lacking. Uh, right, here's the, the $20 trillion yeah. dollar question yeah. for yeah. all this. Uh, yeah. Richard Winfield, candidate for Congress. Yeah. How do you pay for all this? Okay, well, first of all, recognize that if we have full employment, We no longer have to pay for unemployment insurance or all the other kinds of costs that, in a sense, we have to bear when people are indigent and their families are suffering. Because here we'll have people who are able to to fend for themselves and be independent. On the other hand, if we are going to pay fair wages, there will be a cost, but this can easily be raised by having fair taxation that shifts the burden to the most affluent. And one huge area well, the that top so 1% far, are paying about 45 50% of the taxes now. What, what, what would you have them pay? Well, the 1% in, in our country control as, as much wealth as the bottom 90%. That comes to almost $40 trillion. And the wealth itself is not really being taxed. We could have a 1% to 2% tax on the top 1%. And that would be sufficient to put to work everyone who is un- unemployed, And that would not only put them to work, it would increase economic growth. Because here we would have the maximum consumer demand, 
they're adding to our public goods that themselves help economic development. So it's really a win-win situation. You understand. It's, it's pro-business. It's yeah, not Richard, something detracting from business. Richard Winfield, congressional candidate, up against yeah. a great people. But really quickly, you understand the Republican philosophy, that, and we just saw it espoused yeah. in the tax cut that yeah. was uh, approved of the tax bill that was approved yeah. by the House and Senate, the president's tax proposal here. The general idea, and it hasn't changed, JFK yeah. was, was yeah. a proponent of this, certainly yeah. Ronald Reagan, George W. Bush, yeah. others along the way. The idea that I keep more money in my pocket as a wage earner. You reduce my taxes, I spend that money i create economic activity uh, i create jobs by the buying and creating demand by by purchasing by being a consumer i create jobs you lower the tax rate the theory goes you broaden the tax base and create more taxpayers that's the republican philosophy yeah. that's jody heiss's philosophy yeah. well, well let me let me show you the the real situation because first of all when we have unemployment which we have on a mass scale there are millions of people who are unemployed or underemployed they have no buying power they are not in a position to throw money into the economy and generate jobs. On the other hand, since 1973, wages have stagnated as the economy continues to grow. The economy has continued to grow at half the rate it did between 1945 and 1973 when wages rose lockstep with economic growth and productivity increases. And because wages have stagnated, wages have become a smaller and smaller portion of the national income and all the wealth going to the top instead of being reinvested and allowing economic growth, is sitting in idle financial hordes instead of being put to productive use. If we are able to ensure that wages raise with productivity levels, then much more of our national income will be thrown back in the economy because we, the 90%, have to spend much more of our earnings. And that goes back into the economy. That's why the economy grew at twice the rate it has since 1973. Because wages did rise with productivity, everyone could benefit from our rising prosperity. The, and most of us did. The philosophy professor's philosophy on uh, growth and economic development and tax and taxation policy. Richard Winfield, Democratic candidate for the District 10 seat in the U.S. House of Representatives, seat now occupied by Jody Heist. Your proposal is to essentially guarantee everybody a job. I'm reminded of a story, perhaps apocryphal, but, but it, insightful nonetheless. Uh, Milton Friedman. Uh, the great free market uh, economist. Uh, supposedly, the story goes, was called over to some socialist country or other in, I think, Europe to, to serve as something of a consultant. They took him out to a job site, uh, some massive infrastructure, maybe they were building a dam or something, some massive job site. And on this job site, Friedman looks around, Milton Friedman looks around, and he notices he doesn't see any heavy equipment. No bulldozers, no cranes, no backhoes, no earth movers, just... Hundreds of men standing around with shovels. And so he asked, the, where, where are the bulldozers? Where's the heavy equipment? Uh, you're building a dam or whatever it is. You need the heavy equipment. Why is everybody armed with a shovel? And they said, well, this is a jobs program. This is a jobs program. Milton Friedman's response, then give everybody spoons. Well, what the socialist countries did, and it, and it led to, in a sense, major economic dysfunction. On the one hand, they would put people to work without, in any respect, holding them responsible for being productive. And on the other hand, they let all the state enterprises stay afloat, no matter how they performed. You know, the old joke out of the Soviet Union, they pretend to pay us, we pretend to work. Exactly. Now, when we're talking about a guaranteed jobs in our society, we're not talking about socialism. We're talking about, in a way, allowing capitalism to serve us all. And so when we put people to work, first of all, it's not a welfare handout. 
they'll be paid only if they do the work. And we're not going to put them to work doing things unproductively. You know, we have the resources to tackle all of the kind of needs of our communities that are not being served and to put our, our resources to work in as, as efficient a way as possible. And I think it's important to think about how game-changing that would be. Uh, right now, young persons coming of age, ready to work, they face twice the unemployment of the rest of us. If they're people of color, they face even four times the unemployment rate. You know, there's talk of this school-to-prison to pipeline. Well, we can shut all of that down if we have a job guarantee where young people know they have a job awaiting them that will serve their community. And think of the impact on crime. You know, if we set up a situation where everyone knows that they have a legal means of earning a living that will contribute to the welfare of everyone, this will have major impact, and particularly of, of the plight of people leaving prison who currently have great difficulty finding employment. If they know they have a job awaiting them, Richard Winfield, situation. candidate for Congress, you said something intriguing during the break. Uh, and, 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 and I want to pursue this for yeah. a moment. You said something about, and, and I'll paraphrase, and you can come back and clean up any mess I make. You want to make sure, or you, you would pursue policies that yeah. would work to ensure that income or the lack thereof, that, that my monetary value, so to speak, does not impact my legal standing in yeah. some negative yeah. way. What are you talking about there? Well, you know, if we're going to be able to defend our rights of any sort, we need to be able to, to enter the legal system and be able to enter it on a par with others. But currently, there, there are major aspects of how our legal system operates that makes our use of the legal system contingent upon how much wealth we have. And a major way has to, a factor of this is access to legal representation. Well, I mean, I, I've seen all the cop shows. I, I have the right to remain silent, and if I can't afford a lawyer, one will be provided for me. What, what no. else is there? Well, remember, that applies only to criminal prosecutions. And keep in mind that the lawyers that are provided to indigent clients are, to a large extent, underfunded uh, legal aid lawyers and court-appointed lawyers. If you have yeah. money, you can get your dream team. Sure. On the other and hand, all of your civil representation, which involves you know, many of the most important aspects of our life, family disputes, fighting against sexual harassment, against uh, discrimination, against uh, malfeasance of employers. Um, we're not able to really uh, uphold our rights if we can't afford to have a lawyer in a civil suit. So what I'm suggesting or proposing is that we have a legal aid program similar to a single-payer health insurance program where we have a legal insurance program funded by fair taxation which would allow anyone to go to any lawyer they want for personal, criminal, legal defense and advice. And the rates would be negotiated in a fair way. And this would be paid out of this fund that could be Yeah, there, there will be those who would suggest that you're going to use my tax dollars, therefore, to basically shut down the free enterprise system and by clogging everybody's daily activities with lawsuits on, and on litigation. The on the contrary, we're, we're going to allow the private legal industry to flourish because everyone will be able to use them. And the same thing applies <clears throat> to having guaranteed jobs and taking a similar approach to health care. Well, you, you mentioned you used the phrase single payer. Are you a yeah. single payer guy? I, I think, you know, there's a lot of talk of wealth of uh, Medicare for all, and I think that's not entirely the, the correct approach. <clears throat> I think 
we have to recognize that healthcare is a right. We can't exercise any of our freedom. But back we to my original point, yeah. healthcare yeah. Is, a, is a service that is yeah. provided by physicians. If you're saying it's a right, you're saying they are now obliged and I'm obligated somehow to provide that to someone else. My right to freedom of assembly, spelled out in the Constitution, yeah. doesn't cost anything or impose any obligation on anyone else. You would impose, without saying healthcare is a right, you're imposing obligations on any number of yeah, people. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not requiring any doctor to treat me or anyone else. But what I'm in, what we need to do is ensure that everyone has the resources to get the health care they need. And a single-payer system has, has three advantages. First of all, it covers everyone, or it should cover everyone, it can cover everyone, which is not the case with our current health system, where many people either have no insurance or they have, an ins have insurance policies where the co-pays and deductibles are so expensive that they can't afford to use it. On the other hand, a single-payer system leaves in place all of our private clinics, practitioners, and so forth. And what it does is it simplifies reimbursement so they don't have the headaches of dealing with hundreds, if not thousands, of multiple you know, insurance plans. And it How do you answer costs. quickly, very quickly, because yeah. we're up against it here, the yeah. criticism, we have single payers. It's called a VA, and that doesn't seem to be yeah. working so well, well. Well, the VA is not a single payer system. The VA is more like a national health service, hmm. such as you have in Britain. Mention your campaign kickoff tomorrow, because we're really yeah. up against okay. it. What time and where? It's at 3 p.m., and it's going to be at the East Athens Dance Educational Center at 390 McKinley Street. Is this doable for you? Can a Democrat, can you win in District 10? Well, I think we should, we should, we should think of how Donald Trump managed to get two-thirds of the vote in our district. And, you know, he didn't pander to the electorate by stressing his Christian credentials or his small-town origins or the struggles he went through and his family went through as they made it in the world. He, he, he cut to the chase and he said, I can get jobs. I can bring back manufacturing to the nation. Well, he's not giving the real solutions. I'm going to be giving the real solutions. And I think if that message gets through, I can peel away enough former Trump supporters to, to go to victory. Campaign website? The website is winfieldforcongress.com. Spring, is that you? Warmer temps mean new Albert styles. Meet the new Superlight Collection, the lightest ever shoes from Allbirds, now in fresh colors. These must-have travel shoes have a lighter-than-air feel and barely-there fit that made them the most packable shoes ever. Plus, they're comfy right out of the box. That means more comfort and less baggage. Experience how Allbirds is redefining comfort. Visit Allbirds.com and use code SUPER24 for a free pair of socks with a purchase of $48 or more. That's A-L-L-B-I-R-D-S dot com, code SUPER24.